Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today as a co-host is a first-timer on our program at Viewpoint, but he's not uh, new to me. He is a guest, but also a friend and a co-worker, and he and I have a long history. His name is Bob Moss. Thanks for being with us today, Bob. Hey, Jim. You know, Bob and I go back so far, he actually was at my wedding day. He wasn't just there. He was the best man. Do you know how long ago that was? I think that was 30-some years ago. Yeah, 37 to be exact. And do you know what, Bob? Faithful and true, smart, savvy, intelligent, articulate. I mean, all of that then and still now today. And so glad to have you alongside. When we come back, Bob and I are going to open up a page in a book called Jesus Be that's going to call the best out of us. Stay with us. I'm with my friend Bob Moss here at Viewpoint today. And Bob, before we dive into our content, I just want our listeners to understand a little bit about who you are. You and I do go back a long way. We both were young guys who were starting out in ministry together in Seattle in the 1970s. I mean, whoa. Back in the 70s on the same church staff together. The same church staff. I'm trying to think, who was president then? I think Jimmy Carter. That's how far back that goes. That's how back it goes. Yeah. And And, we, uh, we forged that friendship working together day by day and... As the years went by and our ministries took us in different directions, we didn't live in the same town, but but we always were able to pick up right where we left off. Friendship has endured. And uh, Bob and I both entered into the pastoral ministry, and as you've said, Bob, we've gone to different parts of the country, but in a way that we could never have imagined so long ago, we've been brought back side by side, just like we were at the beginning in Seattle, now here in central Indiana, as Bob is working as part of the team at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of this broadcast, where I also work. And in the harness together. Here we are, <laughs> for a richer or poorer, better or worse. Uh, but so proud to have you on Viewpoint today, Bob. Thanks, Jim. And, you know, we are holding our hands a, a little book called Jesus Be, and I'm a little embarrassed to even speak of it because I'm the author, and it's not a book that I conceived. Actually, a publisher, Warner Press, came to me and said, could we publish a series of sermons that you delivered in your last gig when I was in the pastoral ministry? And I said, yes, and that's what this book is. But it, it explores the idea about who we are and, and what we can be and who do we want to be. You know, Bob, when you were growing up, and you grew up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, I did. What did you think when, when you were a kid growing up or maybe you were a teenager? Did people ever ask you, you know, who do you want to be or what do you want to be? Oh, I would say a lot of times people ask me those things. And, uh, you know, in childhood, you, you start out, probably every boy in America starts out as a fireman in his imagination, <laughs> and then maybe a pilot. And, you know, maybe very, very seldom did I think about being a pastor, although my grandfather was my pastor in my very early years. And, and I think something about that relationship took root in my heart. But we all go through a process, don't we, of kind of just as you described of, well, I think about this or I think about that. What do I want to be? It's a big, important question. And even when we grow older, and you and I aren't just spring chickens anymore, we still sometimes, I think, pause and think, now, who do I want to be? Exactly. Who am I? Right. And the question about what I want to be often speaks about a vocation. But what we actually mean, and the longer we live, the more important it becomes is not just what do I do, but who am I? What am I like? Right. What kind of person? What kind of person am I? Who am I and who do I want to be? And when we get to that question, it sometimes intersects again with our vocational aspirations. Sometimes when we say, who am I or who do I want to be? I think about someone else that I admire. I want to be like 
the fireman that I knew as a child or the pastor who was my grandfather, whatever. Right. We tend to draw relational ties to our aspirational goals because we've seen modeled for us something. And few of us have original ideas altogether from scratch. But if you looked at the world and thought about who's the person that seemed to have the most fulfilling life, the one who seemed right. to land with his feet on the ground always, it wasn't always an easy life, but the one who influenced more for the good than anybody else. I mean, if you, if you had to call that person out of history, it's probably Jesus. It probably is. I mean, no matter what yep. your spiritual formation or what you think about history or faith or religion, if you just looked at the world, who's the guy who has brought more good out of others and had the greatest impact for the good than anybody else? Right. Jesus. More seismic change in the world and in, and in history. And, you know, sometimes Jesus has been used as a prop for things that are not healthy. People quote Jesus or use Jesus as their vanguard to pursue things that were not really his ideas. But if you just read about him, who he was and what he did and how he lived and what he said, man, he does not have any peers, which brings us to the whole premise of this little book, Jesus Be, and what we're talking about at Viewpoint right now is, can I be like Jesus? Do you ever think, Bob, that it would be pretentious to say, I'll, I'll, I'll be Jesus, I'll be like Jesus? Well, absolutely. It's hard to get your mind around a little bit because it, it, in our culture, it seems like people would kind of think that you're uh, being inflated if you say you want to be like Jesus. But the truth is, the New Testament, which tells us about Jesus, says we can be like him. In it fact, does. He, Jesus says, follow me. And what is that about except to suggest be like me, follow me, walk as I walk, exactly. live as I live, to yes. take your cues from the way I'm making a path ahead of you. All of that suggests that maybe we can be like Jesus. I can't be Jesus. I believe Jesus is divine. I can't be the Son of God, but I can be like him in his humanity. And even the divine in me, I and you and all of us have been created in the image of God, not God ourselves, but still we have some reflection of our maker. And can that be polished up? by trying to be like Jesus? I think absolutely. In fact, the scripture even tells us that our minds can be renewed and we can have the mind of Christ. Whoa! Maybe it's not so out there to think, I want to Jesus be, sure. be like him. Exactly. So today, let's talk about that a little more. And Bob, as we dive into the subject today, let's look at what the New Testament says, a story about Jesus. If I want to be like Jesus, I've got to read up on him. And Matthew's Gospel, which is the first book of the New Testament, gives us a snapshot, a glimpse, a, a history of who Jesus was and is. And in Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 9, we have an intersection where Jesus meets someone and changes their life and the lives of many others all at once. And I know you have it in front of you, Bob. Why don't you start reading from verse 9? I'll pick it up and uh, take it to the close. Sounds good. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Whoa. He's suddenly at a dinner party with a lot of different kinds of people that aren't normally gathered together when you get somebody like Jesus in the room. That would be the perspective. And the scripture continues. But when the Pharisees saw this, this crowd of people with whom Jesus was dining, they asked his disciples... Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Ouch, scum. That's pretty wow. bad. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, 
not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus be. How can I be like Jesus? Who do I want to be? I want to be like the best and the brightest, and that's Jesus. And if I want to be like him, I have to study about his life and how he lived and how he interacted with the world around him. And we've just read from Matthew chapter 9 a story about Jesus in his, what we might call, ordinary life. But whenever Jesus walked across someone's path, they were never left the same. They either were stirred up and rejected him, or they came alongside. And in this case, we see both. And one thing that strikes me, if I want to be like Jesus, Bob, in this passage we've read, is that Jesus was, first of all, walking around. And I think there's something there. It seems so incidental that he's walking around. Yeah, but that's the point. Jesus was never closeted in a monastery. He never isolated himself from the world outside and actually seemed to walk among people who were differently framed than he was, almost by design. He's walking around the world and his eyes are open and he's not surrounding himself with people who already agree with him. He's not just playing to the crowd to tell them what they want to hear. He's out walking about in every nook and cranny, every public street, every form you could imagine. I mean, think about how different that is than sometimes the way we live. Absolutely. Sometimes we can just become so consumed with our normal routine that we're we're just focused on what we're doing, and we're not really looking at who's around us or who's in our surroundings. And of course, when Jesus lived, he was on foot, there were no cars, and he didn't have the means to travel by chariot, as just the most exclusively wealthy did in that day. But, you know, we live today in a world where most people have cars. You know, it's even more possible for us to be isolated Isolated. because we go from place to place in our little cocoon listening to the music we like or to the radio voice that we prefer with people in our car that are like us. Uh, Now, some people are taking public transportation. They could be on a bus or on a subway. And that's much more like where Jesus was. And maybe that's just one thing I need to think about. Maybe I should be taking public transportation more often. Maybe I need to be by design making myself walk in the world like Jesus did. Right, to to kind of get into the marketplace and be aware of people that are different than ourselves. And who's he looking for as he's walking around? I mean, Jesus, as he's walking around, he's got his eyes, it seems, fixed on a certain category of humanity. And it's not like most of us. And the truth be told, if we were really honest, when I'm walking around... When I am out of my car, when I am in a crowd, when I am in unfamiliar territory or surrounded by strangers, I'm not necessarily looking for people who might need my help so much as I'm looking for people who might help me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you ever think of that? Yeah, there's a tendency to be that way. It's like, boy, who do I want to connect with in this crowd? And usually, if we're not careful, it's for our own purposes, not because we believe that other person needs our compassion or maybe that person's lonely. We can, we can fall into that, that trap so easily. Because I have a career, and I have problems, and I have challenges, and oh, how about this? My world is so complicated. I've got so many problems in my own life. I don't have anything to give to someone else. Therefore, even subliminally, as I'm walking around the world, I'm looking for people who can help me because my world is such a mess up. But the truth be told, when you're following Jesus, your world cannot be framed that way. If I want to be like Jesus... I have to open my eyes and actually, I think, as Jesus did, by design, 
Look for people whose hearts are broken. I don't know how else to describe it. Because Jesus, as you read through the New Testament, and just do this, get out a yellow highlighter and read about every person he has a conversation with. And you'll notice that some are very wealthy and some are very poor and some are able-bodied and some aren't. Some are cast away by the society. Some seem to be quite valued by the society. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't seem to categorize that way. But everybody with whom he has any substantive conversation is someone whose heart is somehow breaking. It's aching for something. There's a heart cry. Maybe that's it. He's walking around, and it's not just his eyes, but his ears are tuned to hear the heart cry Mm -hmm. of the people around him. He hears differently. He sees differently. His his eyes and his, his focus is so much different than anyone else's. And I want to be like that, but it doesn't come naturally. I'm going to have to change the way I naturally function to Jesus be. And, you know, Jesus is different from us in that he's looking for people that he can help, not those who can help him, which is normally our default. But he's also different in this way. He seems to be completely unconcerned about what other people will say about who he hangs out with. And that's another kind of challenge. I'm not only looking at people that might give me a leg up, or at least not take anything away from me. I want to be careful that I don't get mixed up with people that are going to diminish my reputation or going to cause other people to talk about me in a negative way, or I don't want other people to see me in a lesser light because I'm with so-and-so. And And yet Jesus seems to have none of that going on. Yeah, he had no concern about that whatsoever. So if it's a religious leader, a member of the religious establishment who may be, you know, a little bit filled with himself too much and prideful... Some people down the line might think those people are snobs. Jesus doesn't care. He's still with them. On the other hand, if he's in the company of someone who may be despised by the religious leaders or the establishment, he's okay with that Yeah, he is. because his criteria is about the heart cry, mm-hmm. not about how people will view him. That's and right. I don't know about you, Bob, but as a pastor even, I've struggled with that some because I've had people in my church over the years uh, criticize me because they didn't think it was appropriate for me to be with that one or this one. Yeah, absolutely. I've had that. I suppose the thing that changed my life the most was uh, planting a new congregation many years ago, about 30-some years ago. And and suddenly I began to realize that I had been living in a community of faith and that I hadn't had too much interface with people who didn't have faith. And it began to really change the way I looked at people. And I know that in this season in our country, where you and I are seated in the United States, even though this broadcast is heard globally— we're in a political season where the presidential election's coming up next year and, and people are getting engaged by the candidates. But whenever there's a political season and those kind of ebb and flow, people sometimes get very harsh and, and divisive in about who's supporting whom and, and who's with whom and you went to see so-and-so or whatever and all kinds of judgments are made. Just, there's so many ways in which we can divide ourselves and limit ourselves and not be like Jesus. And I think if Jesus was walking in a world where there were Democrats and Republicans and independents and strong candidates on all sides of all questions, he'd have dinner with everybody. I think that's right. He wouldn't dismiss yeah. anyone. And, right. and he seemed to be able to listen and to hear anyone who had a heart cry. And man, those are the people that I want to see and hear too, just like Jesus did. When we come back, Bob, there's more in this story about how Jesus not only is different from us in the way in which he walks around in this world, but what he then does when he sees someone. Oh,
We've been talking about how we might be like Jesus. If our aspiration is to be like the greatest figure that ever lived, to, to actually have a life that is fulfilled and fulfilling and that blesses others and draws the best out of them. I mean, who else could be our model better than Jesus? To be like him, Jesus be. With me, Bob Moss, today we're talking about a passage in Matthew chapter 9 that describes his intersection with Matthew, who's a tax collector. And Jesus is out walking about. We've been talking about the way in which Jesus was always looking for someone with a heart cry. I'm going to guess that Matthew was sitting by his business, which in those days would have probably been a table out on a hot, dusty road. Jesus is walking by. I mean, can you feel the dust? Can you feel the heat? Can you feel the crowd, the sweat of all the bodies congregated around? Matthew's a tax collector. The guy is by his social environment a loser because you are cooperating with the Roman oppressive regime. People avoid him. You profit by your position and take advantage of us because the Romans give you power to do things that you couldn't do otherwise to take advantage of us and make yourself rich. I mean, we don't like your politics. We don't like your business. We don't like you. Yes. And Jesus is walking about, and who does he walk over to talk to? The reject. The reject. I mean, think about that. <laughs> the one everyone despises. Yeah. And, and the scripture tells us that he sees Matthew. And again, the verbs that are used in the Testament, we sometimes just run over them as connecting words. Already we've talked about how he was walking around. Mm -hmm. I want to walk around in a world like Jesus. And then he sees. And what does he see? He sees something that apparently most others aren't seeing because he sees value in Matthew. He sees somebody who is open to maybe a new way. I'm going to suggest, I'm reading between the lines here, that he actually heard and saw the heart cry of Matthew. Because for all of Matthew's fine clothes and successful business measured by dollars and cents, and for all of the power he waged because he was cooperating with the Roman regime that governed the place, for all of that, he was an outcast. He knew he was. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to guess that he longed to be loved. He longed to be in relationships. He longed to live in a world where he wasn't despised, but didn't know how to get out. Yeah, in fact, it seems like no matter why you are an outcast, no one wants to be an outcast for any reason. That's right. And you can be all full of yourself, and you can be sharp and witty, and you can have the great comeback for every line, and you can carry yourself with a veneer that no one would guess that you really are broken inside. Mm -hmm. But Jesus somehow had the capacity to understand. He looked past all the veneer, and he saw this guy there saying, you know what, Matthew, why don't you just get up from that place and follow me? That's what the Scripture says. Now, did he have previous history? Did they have have a previous history together? Had there been previous conversations? Jesus was, by this stage of his life, already kind of a celebrity. Matthew surely knew who he was. Uh, Maybe that was enough for him to hear Jesus say, follow me, and be dazzled by, boy, the celebrity wants to talk to me. But whatever it was, Jesus was bold enough seeing Matthew, actually seeing this man beneath the veneer and saying, you know what, I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing that maybe you want something else, and I'm telling you, there's a way, follow me. Mm -hmm. And it changed everything. It changed everything, and not just for Matthew, because now Matthew says, all right, deal. At the very least, you're going to have dinner with me. Right. at my house. And so what is an intersection, just a walkabout, turns into a conversation which leads to a dinner party, and now the dinner party is populated with a whole bunch of other people. In fact, I'm, the, I'm looking at the text again. It says disreputable people. Yes. 
scum. Yes. I mean, we're, we're reading from the New Living Translation, but actually the original Hebrew could best be translated scum. Some people looked at Jesus and said, what are you doing with this scum? Mm-hmm. These lowlifes, these people who don't do anything right, how dare you dine with them? And while we think that's outrageous, the truth is that still happens today. It sure does. How many high schools are riveted and wrecked with people who won't sit at that table or that table because there's somebody there that's disreputable or is not popular or is somehow a reject? How many business environments have a hierarchy of social status where I just don't deal with that one because look how they dress or how they slobber or what losers they are? I mean, on and on in every environment. We still have that today, don't we? Sure we sure do. We sure do. It's everywhere. It has nothing to do with Jesus. And yet Jesus is the one who changes the world. And he calls together this group, and they have dinner. And you know, maybe the fundamental thing about the whole story is that Jesus looked at Matthew and said, I see value in you. And I see that you can be different than what you are. You can be more than what you are. And for everyone who thinks they're all that, they have it all together. I'm telling you, I came to help people who want to change. And that's who I'm drawn to. That's right. Whoa, Jesus be. In our world, Bob, how many of us will see today the Matthews out there? It really challenges me just as I think about this today. I mean, we're going to be about our business. We'll have our conversation here on air, but you and I will both go our separate ways. We'll go to the supermarket or we'll, we'll stop at the department store or maybe buy gas or maybe even just walk down our street in the cool of the evening or whatever it is. And where are the Matthews in our world and are we looking for them? Yes. This label was given to Jesus by his enemies. They sought to criticize him by saying, you are the friend of sinners. Right. And yet it's actually a badge of honor. It really is a badge of honor, yeah, and it changed everything for, for those of us who will want to follow Jesus' steps. It not only changes our lives, but it changes the lives of those who do feel like they're outcasts. They, someone who, who loves Jesus becomes like Jesus to them, changes everything. And we are the body of Christ in this period between his first and his second coming. We're actually, in some ways, the hands and the feet and the touch of Jesus. That's so true. Jesus be... I'm not sure where you are in life listening today. Maybe you feel like you're Matthew, seated by the road as others pass by, despising you. And you may be unlike Matthew in that you feel despised, but you don't have any money. (laughs) He at least was wealthy as he was rejected. And maybe you don't have that either. Or maybe you've been walking around thinking that there are other people beneath you. Wherever you are in the continuum, we're here to tell you that Jesus sees your heart and he loves you and he wants to call you to a better and a different place. And all you have to do is first acknowledge that he is reaching out for you and then accept his invitation. He's inviting you to follow him. And that can be wherever you are in the narrative. You could be one of the Pharisees or you could be one of the guys collecting the taxes. But just make a decision today. Follow Jesus. Matthew understood that he was making a life-altering decision when he got up from the table and decided to have dinner with Jesus. He couldn't have understood then where it would take him in his life, but he knew nothing would be the same. And the same can be true for you. It can be better. You can take a step that way by joining us just now in prayer. Just wherever you are, whatever you're doing, pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful that you sent your Son, Jesus, into this world, and that when we see him, we see you. And for the way in which he demonstrates his love and his kindness, 
your grace and your compassion to us. And Lord, we know he's close by. The living Christ is still walking among us. And we know that his spirit is striving. And for everyone who's joining us in prayer now, may they hear his voice saying, follow me. Just follow me. You can walk away. You can be different. You can be blessed. You can be a blessing. You can be better. And for everyone, Lord, who thinks that they are superior, may they also hear him say, follow me and humble yourself. May all of us be more like him. And we pray, Lord, in his name that you will stir in our hearts, forgive us of our sin, and breathe new life into us that we might be ever more like your son. May we call the best out of the world around us, and may we walk in it as Jesus did. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can be like Jesus, or if you'd just like to know more about Jesus himself, if you'd like a copy of this book, Jesus Be, give us a call. Just dial this number 24 hours a day and seven days a week, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone, and we're always glad to hear from you. If you prefer, just go online and check us out. Our web address, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email and we will reply. Or if you prefer, at the last, just send me a letter. Use the post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, whether you call us up, whether you go online, or whether you just send us a letter by surface mail, please let us hear from you this week. Bob, thanks for coming alongside. Thank you, Jim. Thanks so much for being like Jesus, because you know what, God, you really are. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you for saying that. And we thank you for joining us. And we hope that you'll be with us again next week as we continue our study of what it's like to be like Jesus. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon.